Worldwide Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Just a moment, we are going to share the Lord's table together. We're going to sing more hymns that are so meaningful to us. They're really words that anchor us in the great shepherd Jesus Christ. And that's why I want you to open your Bibles, if you have them today, to the greatest hymn of rest ever written, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 by far is one of those great and wonderful hymns. It's well-known. Scholars through the ages say that this psalm is the most well-known passage in and out of the Bible. It was written by King David at a time when he was reflecting on his long-standing relationship with the Lord. He probably was out on a precipice on a hillside and he looked down into a valley where he saw shepherds tending their sheep. And then it came to him, as those shepherds are to those sheep, so has the Lord been to me. That the Lord has been my great shepherd. That he's guided me through tribulation, he's guided me through trial and hardship. And today when we live in a world that is spinning out of control, it's good to know who we can trust in. It's good to know who we can have faith in. And this psalm, Psalm 23, is one of those places that we can turn to and say, here is a psalm of rest. Here is a hymn that was written just for me. And most likely, there are two other psalms written together with this that make this a trilogy. Not only was there Psalm 23, but bookended on both sides is Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. They are known as the trilogy. These three psalms are called the shepherd psalms. And they present this wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. This is a prophetic utterance, a prophetic word that David is pinning. He's writing this out in psalm form. And he's talking to us about a great shepherd who teaches us how to rest in him. How to find our hope and our faith in him. In Psalm 22, he is called the good shepherd. Jesus himself talked about him being that good shepherd in John chapter 10. Which was actually the fulfillment of this prophetic word written in Psalm 22. And then in Psalm 23, he's noted as the great shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13 refers to Jesus, again, prophetically fulfilling something that was spoken a thousand years before. He is the great shepherd in Hebrew 13. And then we see Psalm 24, he's noted as the chief shepherd. Uh, I think 1 Peter chapter 5 talks to us about the fulfillment of that prophecy as well. So I want to put all this together for you so that you understand how this fits. That you have a context in which you're hearing Psalm 23. You need to know where this all plays out and how it plays out. I want to put it together. Psalm 22, we see the cross. Psalm 23, we see the crook or the staff. And Psalm 24, we see the crown. Psalm 22 is the savior. Psalm 23 is the satisfier. Psalm 24 is the sovereign. In Psalm 22, he dies. In Psalm 23, he's living. And in Psalm 24, he's coming. What a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ in these three psalms, in this trilogy, the shepherd's psalms or songs. Now I want to zero in on the most famous psalm in the Bible, the most really probably famous chapter in the Bible, and that's Psalm 23. It's just six short verses, and it's simple verses. In Psalm 23, it only takes 45 seconds. It's brief, but it's incredibly powerful. And I want you to pay attention to this just for a moment because it's written not in language of philosophy. It's not the language of theology. It's not legal. It's not scientific. It's amazingly simple. 
It's directed to you. It's directed to me. And it's a wonderful story because remember that David is an old shepherd now. David the king never forgot David the shepherd boy. When David wrote this psalm, Psalm 23, life had beaten him down. Life had buffeted him. Life had bludgeoned him. And he comes back in his latter years and he writes this magnificent psalm or hymn of rest. And you see that here as we read it. And I want you to listen with me. It goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you look at this, you can break this down into three parts. Two verses in each part. And I want to share with you what David is seeing in his great shepherd. Because what he's doing is he's exposing something to us about this relationship he has with the Lord. This relationship where the analogy is that God is our shepherd. And for us, again, we need to pay attention. For us, when we need rest, this is a wonderful place to go. So first, let's look at the great shepherd's soul. Because that's what David is showing us here. And that's seen again in verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I look at these two verses and I recognize the the words there, the way that this is structured. Even the sentence, the poetic sentence, my, I, he, me, is all wrapped up in this. So we can say safely, this is a he and me psalm. David shows us that there is nothing between man's soul and God. There's nothing that God doesn't know about your life that he doesn't see going on in your life. And he's saying there are no obstacles. There are no barriers. In my relationship with this great shepherd, there's a closeness that I strive for because I know my great shepherd wants to be close to me. Many people say this. It sounds wonderful. But can you make it personal and say the Lord is my shepherd? Can you do that today? What is standing in the way from you saying that and really meaning that and trusting in what you've said to be true? The way this is personalized is by believing in his redemptive work, by believing in the fact that he saved you by his wonderful, enormous grace that's been poured out on you. When you accept that, when you believe in that, when you know that and understand that, that's how this this psalm, this first phrase or stanza in this psalms becomes very real to you. So the question we ask ourselves is, does he bring rest to us? If we know him like David did, as David has painted that beautiful word picture, we can answer the question by saying yes. Verse 1 is a a bold declaration, and there's no hesitation. There's no timidity. This is emphatic. David wants you to know that the Lord is his personal shepherd. And then he says, I shall not lack. And that looks into the future. And it gives us an assurance to the child of God. It gives you an assurance. If you're a sheep in his pasture, what he's saying to you is all through your life, while you're here on this planet, you will lack nothing. The security of a believer rests upon the great shepherd. My deduction as a sheep that I shall not lack 
always rests, fundamentally rests upon the declaration that the Lord is my shepherd. You can't have one without the other. You cannot have one without the other. So we have to understand this. And I don't know if you've ever been around sheep. I've talked to a few shepherds. I spent a little time in the Middle East and there are a lot of shepherds there, more shepherds there than there are here. But they'll tell you the truth about sheep. They really will. You see, sitting here in the the culture we live in, we think about sheep and the way we think about sheep is, oh, they're cute and they're cuddly and they're very sweet animals. Uh, That's not the way that a shepherd describes sheep. Uh, The shepherd describes sheep as stubborn, hard-headed, and they're mean animals. If you talk to a shepherd, he'll tell you that these are dirty, filthy animals. (laughs) And then I have to remember that I'm, I'm described as a sheep in the Bible, you know, and you're described as a sheep in the Bible by prophets. You're described by psalmists that way. And in fact, you're described by Jesus that way. And so you look at that and your first impulse is, hey, I'm not either. I'm not dirty, filthy. Well, we have to look again. We don't want to live in denial because this is what the Bible says about us. Not only do sheep need safety, uh, they, they need to get their act cleaned up. And the only one that can do that is a great shepherd. The only one that can clean you up, the only one that can make you whole is the great shepherd. And that's why when we come to the Lord's table, we're reminded of that. We're reminded that there is a great shepherd. There's someone who's taken care of us. He's cleaned us up. He's given us access in a relationship with God. So we read this and we know that there's sufficiency and satisfaction. And how do we know that? Well, David says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Does that sound a little odd to you? I mean, who wouldn't want to lie down in green pastures? I mean, you think about that. I, I want to. But, but given the nature of a sheep, that's you and me, we don't want to. It says here something totally different. It says he makes you lie down in green pastures. Now, how does he do that? How, how does he do that in your life? How does he do that in my life? Well, let me give you a few examples. How about pain? How about the lack of finances? How about all these things that come along that slow us down? And in fact, what the shepherd's saying is, I'm going to make you lie down. I'm going to make you rest. I want you to rest. You need rest. We're living in a time where the younger generations, they're called the always-on generation. They sleep with one ear open to their cell phone and to their emails, and they never, never, they never go off. It's 24-7. And I'm going to tell you this, without the God of rest, the God of Shabbat, we're going to go nuts, literally. Because you are not made to be on all the time. You're made to rest. And in this tumultuous world, in this this raveling out of control world, we need to know this God. We need to know this great shepherd. Because it's this great shepherd that brings rest to our lives. He makes us lie down in green pastures. I know how he did that with me. I know I'm not prone to rest. I'm prone to stay busy and do all kinds of things. But in the ancient days, you know what a shepherd would do to a lamb or a young sheep that was prone to wander? I mean, one they kept going after, one that was rebellious. In the ancient times, in the ancient days, they would take that young lamb, the shepherd would, he'd take that young lamb, and he would break one of its back legs. Sounds mean, doesn't it? Cruel. We hear that today. He would reset it. He would put that shepherd, he'd do the kindest thing, to save that shepherd's life, he would put that sheep over the back of his shoulders. And he would walk with that little sheep, that little lamb, everywhere he went. So what was that little lamb hearing? 
He was hearing the voice of his shepherd. See, he wasn't accustomed to hearing that voice. He was too far away. He was wandering. He was into his own stuff. He was too busy. But the shepherd, out of great mercy, brings pain to his life. Can I tell you something? God can use pain in some amazing ways in our life. Do you know what pain is? Pain is temporary. Your, your, your soul is eternal. There's a trade-off there, and he does not make any qualms about that trade-off. I can tell you personally. I've laid in hospital beds many nights in a lot of pain, and I heard this. He will make me lie down in green pastures. You see, there are things that he will do. There are extremes that he will go for your soul so that you can experience the rest of a great shepherd. People who know sheep say that they won't lie down. They won't lie down until they're full. They won't lie down when they're hungry. When sheep lie down in a green pasture, it means that they're satisfied. It means that they're full. And who is our sufficiency? It's Jesus Christ. He said that in John 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never go thirsty. He leads me, then he says, he leads me beside still waters. Do you know sheep are afraid of rough water? So am I, by the way. I mean, I don't want to go next to anything like that. And sheep stay away from stagnant waters as well. So there's this in-between kind of water that the shepherd knows to bring you to. You don't know how to get there. You don't know, you don't, you don't know whether you're drinking stagnant water or if you're in rough water. The shepherd knows what kind of water you need. And so he brings you to these places. He leads you by these still waters. This is really a picture of you and me. And we need our rest today. Not so much physical or mental rest. But we need the rest of the soul. David said this in another psalm. In Psalm 55. He said, oh let me take the wings like a dove. For then I would be at rest. See getting away is nice. We, we need to do that. We need to probably do it even more. We get rest when we put our trust in the Lord. That's how true rest will come. Jesus said it himself. He said come to me all you who labor. All you who are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And then we have this another angle or perspective that David gives us in this psalm. Not only do we get to look into a great shepherd's uh, soul. But we look into his mind. And that's seen in verses 3 and 4. It says, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love that phrase, he restores my soul. Because David knew exactly what this meant. How did David know? Remember, he's seasoned when he writes this. Remember, he's on in age when he writes this. He knows this well because he was broken. He was a wanderer. He was a lost sheep who went astray. And he needed to be restored physically, emotionally, and mentally. He had to deal with that in his own life. Read about David. You know that his life was just not a basket of peaches. His life was a difficult life. And for us that face some of the same things in life, we need to know that there is a great shepherd who wants to bring rest to us. And that's why he says in this psalm, what he says to us is he restores my soul. That's a promise. Notice he's not putting a question mark there. He's saying, I promise this. If you let me be your great shepherd, I will be your great shepherd and I will restore your soul. That if you need restoration, and I think most of us in this room probably do, 
then where do we go? We come to this great shepherd and we know there's rest there. There's healing there. That's what God does for us. That's what the great shepherd does. It says, then he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It says that he leads me here. Now there's a catch. To be led means you need to follow. See, you have to follow him. You have to be willing. You have to be submissive. You have to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I trust in you. I believe what you say. I can't always see it. I don't always know it. But I know you are the great shepherd. So I'm believing and trusting in you. So I will follow you. I've had people come to me over the years and say, hey, guess what? I'm a, I'm a leader. And, and the first question I'll ask them is, who's following you? Sometimes they'll say no one. I'll say, well then, sorry to tell you this, you aren't a leader because you know what? What you have to have to be a leader is you gotta have followers. They come together. The Bible says we have a great shepherd who leads us. The question is, are we following? Are we letting him guide us? Remember what Jesus said to the religious people of his day? He said it in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice and know me and they know him. They follow me. You see, we need to listen to the voice of that great shepherd. We need to follow and believe and trust that voice. When I was in Israel, I saw shepherds in their, in their sheep, and they were in the shepherd's field. And most of the shepherds were driving their sheep instead of leading their sheep. You see, the way we do things today, and even in the Middle East, they still drive them. They get more effect out of driving them. They get to where they want to be quicker. But in the ancient day, in the ancient time, a shepherd would learn the art of leading. And they would lead their sheep. They would go ahead of their sheep. Their sheep wanted to follow. They wanted to listen. They wanted to be close because they knew that was a place of rest. They knew that was a safe place to be. And then the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil. Let me tell you what's at work here. What's at work is courage and rest working together. Death is the supreme test of life. And I'm not talking about the deathbed. I'm not talking about the final days of someone's life altogether. I'm talking about what we all experience in the human family. The moment you're born, what happens? I hate to break it to you, but you start dying. So what are we living in? We're living in a shadow. We're living in the shadow of death. But here, knowing Jesus Christ is our great shepherd, we're not in the grips of death. We live in the shadow of death. Death is around us every day. I see it in my own body. My body's dying. I hate to say it. I can feel it. I'm living in the shadow, but I'm not gripped by it. Why? Because, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You, you, God, Jesus Christ, you've risen from the grave and you've overcome all that. I'm not subject to the death that takes people's lives who may not know Christ. We as believers are in the shadow, but never in the grips of death. That's our courage. That's our rest. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've had people think, well, these are two different things, the rod and staff. No, they're the same implement. The shepherd used them for two things. The shepherd used that, that staff and that rod. Rod, the rod was for defense. That was beating off predators, protecting the sheep. And then the staff is for direction, giving the sheep the direction they need. His rod keeps the predators away. His staff keeps me from myself. You need someone to save you from yourself. You know that. Because we're not as smart as we think we are. We'll, we'll self-destruct, given a moment, given an opportunity. Isaiah said, yeah, you guys are wandering all the time. You're like sheep, dirty, filthy animals that have strayed. You don't want to stick around. 
And so what does he do? This great shepherd with his, his staff, he gives us the direction, the guidance that we need. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, when you read this, there's something amazing. There's something wonderful about knowing the numerous times that his staff has saved me from wandering. His staff has saved you from wandering. You know, if you'll pay attention today, you'll experience that. If you're wandering right now, if you pay attention, you'll, you'll feel the staff. You'll see the staff. You'll know the staff. But you'll also know that he'll protect you from your enemies as well. That's the great shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They bring safety to me. Now, I, I want to finish this little devotional with this, and that's the great shepherd's heart. You've seen the soul, the mind, and David now gives us a look at his heart. And he says, this is the relationship I have with him. And it says this in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These two verses really reflect, I think, the happiness and the, the, the hope of a shepherd's heart. When you read it closely, you see fruitfulness, you see fullness, you, you see satisfaction toward the end of this psalm. And what, is it, what does it mean, a table uh, in, in the presence of mine enemies? It's symbolic, it really is. It's symbolic of his spiritual promises and blessings to us. And, and that's really what this table is to represent to us. Paul gives us instruction and, and he says that, we do this in remembrance of him. We do this in remembrance of the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, when we come to the Lord's table, we remember his blessings. We remember his promises. We remember his truth. So he has prepared a, a table before us in a treacherous world, in, in an enemy-filled world. The enemy of our soul, Satan, he says, now, I, I'm going to keep you from that enemy, but I'm going to prepare a table before you. Where you're going to be blessed if you eat at that table, if you come to that table. And this Lord's table reminds us that we can do that. That we can have a table set before us in the presence of our enemies. Then he says, he anoints my head with oil. I love this because oil was protection. Oil in the, in the ancient days was poured over a sheep's head to keep that, that sheep from, from dying of heat in a desert, in a wasteland. And here, when we look at the scripture, we understand that oil represents the work or the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen, there will be no rest for you if you do not have the indwelling, abiding presence of God's Spirit. It's impossible. And that's why today, when you come to the Lord's table, whether you do this before or after you come to the Lord's table, we're going to have people praying for us around this building and I'm asking them to pray in a couple ways for you. That you would be refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Re, re, refilled. If, if for whatever reasons you become distant and, and detached from the things of God. Let the Holy Spirit draw you close. Be refreshed in Jesus' name. There may be some of you here today that have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have an opportunity. You can, you can talk and pray with our prayer teams. They're going to instruct you. They'll pray with you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, in his final words to us, he says this. He says, listen, I want you to go and wait. And as you wait, I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit so that you can do something. That you can be my witnesses in all the world. 
You need the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to have the peace, the rest in a chaotic world today. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives instruction. He says, hey, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. The word be filled is really one word in the Greek. It just means constantly. It means right now. It doesn't mean yesterday. Yesterday's yesterday. It doesn't mean tomorrow because tomorrow's tomorrow. It means at this very moment, right now, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled right now. Some of you can take an inventory right where you sit right now. You can answer the question, am I? If the answer is no, then receive prayer. Be prayed for. If the answer is yes, continue to pray. Continue to pray that the Lord would fill you. And he would do this. He would do this. He would fill your cup so your cup runs over. What is that symbolic of? It's symbolic of joy. It's symbolic of joy. And you think, where is joy today? I mean, every place I look, there's awful I'm going to tell you something a believer who follows Jesus Christ could know a deep down joy in their life like no one else I'm not talking about just being happy because you have or don't have something I'm not talking about a comedic kind of laughter or happy I'm talking about a true deep down joy that wherever you are it just overflows whatever condition you're in it overflows there's a joy Again, a, a prophetic word is this, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What is that synonymous to? It's synonymous to the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Where do we get strength? According to the New Testament, it's through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's where it happens. So you see the parallels here. You see what's happening. You hear what the psalmist is saying. The world needs you to overflow with joy today. If ever there needs to be an authentic, true, deep joy, it's today. It's now. That's the light of Jesus. And then we come to the final statement. I like this. Our shepherd brings us all the way from green pastures to still waters. And then he brings us to that place, our father's house. I like this. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 14, Jesus is taking time with the disciples. He's actually bringing comfort to them. He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit, about his departure. But he says to them, hey, don't worry, don't fret. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to prepare a place for you to come. I want you to be in eternity with my Father and with me. I'm going to prepare a house for you, a place for you, an abiding place for you, a place for you to live. That's what this is prophetically speaking to us about. We have so much to be thankful for today. We really do. And I just pray that we have the insight, the wisdom to be thankful. Because we have a shepherd who treats us with great love, who treats us with great care. I don't deserve it. I'm just a raggedy old sheep. I'm not worth much. But I know this, that he died for me. The great shepherd laid his life down for me. So when you come to the Lord's table, you're going to be reminded of that. You're going to be reminded that he laid his life down for you so that you could have rest, that you could have peace in the midst of your enemies, in, in a world that's unraveling. You can do that. You notice here, and some of you probably already have seen this, we have a lot of paper up on these tables, this table and the two in the back. I want to tell you what these papers are. These are papers you filled out last weekend. I asked you, I instructed you just to write down one name of someone who was lost that you would pray for, that you would commit to. I know this. I know this about our nature. We forget. 
You know, we, we, we just do things and we move on. We're in a pretty busy, fast-paced world, aren't we? I've left these here so you won't forget. We're not divulging anything confidential. We're not doing any of that. But I want you to be reminded when you come to the Lord's table that there are people that need rest that you're acquainted with, that you're related to, that you have friendships with. And it's through the rest and peace they may see in you that invites them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember that. When you come, remember those friends or that friend whose name you wrote down and that you would come and do that today when we come to the Lord's table. Would you bow your head with me? Would you do that? I'm going to invite our worship team and then our prayer teams as well can make themselves available around around this building because in just a moment we want to access our prayer teams. We want to continue to sing hymns of rest together. And I know that these words, the words of this song and us singing them together will absolutely make a difference in our lives. I trust that. I believe in that. Father, we thank you today for your great love and your great mercy in our lives and that you have laid your life down for us. You are our great shepherd. And the greatest probably chapter ever written in scripture, the greatest prose, the greatest song, the greatest hymn, in most of our minds at Psalm 23, where we see you as our shepherd. Thank you for making it real and personal that we could say that with a measure of confidence. And how you have showed us the soul, the mind, the heart of a great shepherd. There's nothing you've held back. When we come to your table, we're reminded that you held back nothing. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say together, amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.